Welcome to the Painter's Dialectic Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Green, a painter and art educator living in New York City. And today, Kenny and I are continuing our series of dialogues on the elements of painting. Our goal is to create an original philosophy of painting from the bottom up. We hope to expand each idea and provide new perspectives on these old topics. In this dialogue, we're continuing our mini-series on color. And today, we're going to talk about the color green. And remember, don't just listen to the podcast, but participate in it. Like, subscribe, comment, and share our content. Go to Patreon at The Painter's Dialectic and subscribe. You can also subscribe directly through Spotify. If you'd like to check out our Instagram page, it's The Painter's Dialectic. My Instagram page is Josh Green Artist. Kinney's is Crayola Sensei. And if you'd like to stay with me to Kinney, you can go to greenatelier.art and sign up for lessons. If you'd like to check out my website, it's joshgreenart.com. Kenny, good to see you. Good to see you, Josh. What's going on? Not much. Just ready to do some green. Yeah, your favorite color, right? I mean, I gotta represent. That's my family's name. Green. Alright, do it justice. So green's another big color, just like blue. Painting-wise, it sits between blue and yellow, right? It's a secondary color that you have to mix, but green is a primary color in light. You know, if we think about the biological implications of green's effects on the body and the mind, well, what's the most famous green? Chlorophyll, right? Oh, really? Chlorophyll. You didn't know. You know, the color of the plants. That's where plants get their, their color green is from chlorophyll, the, uh, the molecule that turns light into sugar. Huh. So, thinking about our biological history, being primates, being monkeys, and whatever else was before that, and this millions of years we've been evolving, green has been a very, very important color to our species, right? Being in the tree. And actually, biologically, green sits right in the center of our perceivable colors, right? At one end, we have the red cone, we have the green cone, we have the blue cone. So it's in the center of the wavelength, so we actually <coughs> see more shades of green than any other color, which would make sense because we have to identify all these different plants that we're around. We're forest, jungle-dwelling creatures, right? We have to have a, see a wide variety of greens and remember what shade goes with which species of plant. And also in the, you know, as we talked about with red, orange, yellow, also seeing when fruit is ripe, right? If it's green, it is unripe. So we have this long history with the color green. Green puts us at ease. It's a peaceful color, um, just like like blue did. I think uh, I think we'll just jump into to kind of the the history of greens. I think if you just consider what I just said, it should be pretty obvious what green does to the mind. Just being around green, that's an environment you can survive in, right? That's an environment that we've been in for a long time. So of course it'll put us at peace. In ancient history, in Egypt, green was a symbol of regeneration and rebirth. I think that makes sense. 
in our relationship to plants and farming, right? You see the, the green sprout coming out of the earth. And then when the life goes from the plants, the green leaves. So rebirth, regeneration. They tried um, to make greens out of different pigments. And I've actually tried to make this one myself out of copper. You oxidize copper with an acid like vinegar. Uh -huh. And uh, you'll get crystals on it, which is, that pigment is, is called verdigris. Um, there's also malachite, which is the stone version of, of verdigris, which uh, the Egyptians would use. It's not a great pigment. It can turn black under certain atmospheric situations, and also verdigris eats through organic materials like oil paint and egg tempera and paper uh, <laughs> so it's not a great pigment for the long run it'll eat right through everything and we see that when we jump up to the medieval times you know not only were they using uh, greens to dye clothing green represented the merchants they would wear green clothes but they found that if they put green on the base of the figure and then painted the warmer tones on top, they get a more convincing skin tone for the European, right? And so what they do is they, if you go look at all the old medieval icons and whatever museum, you'll see all these sickly green figures everywhere. That's because they painted the base with verdigris and it ate through all the pinker layers on top. All that stuff fell off as the verdigris ate all the oil paint that's why all these these green sickly madonnas in every museum around the world <laughs> but um it's cool to see that the green was worn by merchants and bankers that's probably why we get the association of green with envy you know in western traditions yeah i think uh one of the famous early renaissance painters who started painting green underneath was duccio di buoninsegna that, that means like a good mark. I guess he was a good painter. Gotcha. Duccio di Buonisegna. So he would paint the green coat under faces. Maybe he's to blame for all that. Uh, a little disturbing in my research, because this is a green I actually use, and I did not know it was this toxic. In 1975, a Swedish chemist, Carl Wilhelm Schiele, invented a deadly bright green hue out of arsenite called Sheila's Green. Mm. That's one of my favorite greens. I paint with it all the time. Uh, <laughs> so Sheila's Green was painted on all kinds of things. To dye, they used it to dye fabrics. Mm -hmm. They used it to color wallpaper. They used it to color children's toys. So there was lots of reports in the 19th century of children becoming very ill in bright green rooms. Also, ladies who wore green dresses were becoming sick from the vapors coming off the dress. Uh, historians even believe that this pigment caused the death of Napoleon because his bedroom wallpaper was printed with that pigment. Hmm. Pretty interesting, right? Um, Sheila's green is also known as emerald green or as Paris green. Hmm. Other artists who used that green were a lot of the Impressionists. Paul Gauguin used it, Van Gogh used it, but they believed that uh, 
<laughs> the pigment also. Monet used it as well in Cezanne, Renoir, but they believe that that pigment caused Cezanne's diabetes and Monet's blindness. So it's just been poisoning all kinds of people and I paint with that one in almost every painting. So I think I better cut back on that. Um, <laughs> some other famous greens are thalo green or thalo synanine green. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Don't remember any of them anymore. But uh, thalo greens uh, was made in 1938. It is synthetic. It was used mainly to dye. It has no negative health hazards, you know, so go ahead, eat it, put it on your food. No, don't do that. Um, chromium oxide green, invented in 1809. It was used to enamel porcelain in factories. It was used in painting much later in like the 1860s, but that's a relatively new one. Viridian green is another very popular one. It's kind of a blue-green. It's a synthetic pigment. It was created in the 19th century, and it takes its word from Veridis, which was uh -huh. in my family model, right? Uh -huh. uh, for the word green, many of the Impressionists also used that. Um, another very, very famous pigment is um, Earth Green or Terra Verde. I've got some of that in the studio. But it's kind of like an olive green. It's a, it's a natural pigment. It was very popular in the 14th and 15th centuries. It was often used by Italian painters to paint beneath the flesh colors once they realized that verdigris was not archival. And it was, the, the earth green was a cheaper pigment than malachite, right? The crushed stone pigment that the Egyptians were using. So that was the green on a budget. That's why it was used so widely Oh, it was also a popular green in the Fuyam portraits. If you're familiar with those, it's, those are the oldest realist paintings in existence. Painted in um, Egypt when it was under Greek rule. Mm -hmm. They did um, some realistic encaustic paintings that were put on uh, the, the, uh, the sarcophagus. Sap green is, is what you call lake pigment. I think it's pretty popular. It's made from the juice of unripe berries of buckthorn. In medieval times, they would extract that color into like a heavy syrup, and they would sell it in pig bladders because <laughs> it was like a liquid. Yeah, verdigris, we already mentioned that. Um, malachite, you know, is a popular stone. So the Egyptians would mine malachite in, in the desert west of Sinai, um, Cleopatra, is recorded as using that to color her eyelids. It was often mixed with egg or sap uh, and painted on papyruses. Uh, Malachi was also used in China uh, for painting landscapes. In Turkestan, it was used for minerals. Uh, even monks in Tibet used it. In Latin America also, they used the Teotihuacan I'm trying. The Teotihuacan civilization also used malachite for their paintings. Uh, so that's a history. Um, very important pigment uh, biologically. You know, its effect on the body and the mind, I'm sure, is very strong. Anyone who takes a walk out in nature in a forest, you know, their stress goes down, they're more relaxed. That was a ton of pigments, right? Historical pigments. 
lot of them very poisonous, a lot of them non-archival. But despite that fact, you know, (coughs) green carries a very positive color. It's a color of, you know, the environmental movement. You know, any anything uh, nature positive uses green. I think this one, I I know very clearly for me, what green means in in the deepest level. Okay. Okay. So I don't I don't think it's going to be a struggle with this one. For me, it was obvious. Green is is the the will to live. Okay. For me, it's it's that you know the the will to live. With that, I'll shut up and I'll I'll pass it over <laughs> to you. Uh, what are your thoughts about green? Green used to be my favorite color growing up at times, M- more times than not. So I don't have I don't have really like too many favorite colors, but that's a that's one that kind of stood out for the longest for years. Um, I used to wear the malachite just for a long time at a really good like um growing period. Of course, I don't paint too much anymore use crayons i used olive green lime green and forest green probably the most i use it in a lot of shadows and i use it turning forms in shadows mm. and it's, it's really cool it's a it's a really good neutral color for me so how i use it so <clears throat> i see green as a neutral color green for me is probably one of the big three, big four colors, hands down to me, is the second, if not, yeah, besides brown and and and, and blue, uh, the largest mass of colors you see uh, when you just think of just where we live, quote unquote, the planet Earth. But I mean, I'll just say like Earth, like realm. I see the connection between the green and the blue is kind of like um, the blue is connection sometimes it could be light connection deep connection so it get air water um you got brown it's, it's like it's like earth's big ass seed so we'll get into brown at some point and then you got the green that comes out of the brown so and you got colors that come after that all the other colors so it seems like green is a neutral color and it's needed and it's it's um this is the growth spectrum so Green seems like a, a spectrum of like growth and practicality. So what I have down for green, um, I'll just run that down again. Green spectrum, what is green actually doing? That's when I hear the color green, that's what I look at, not necessarily the effects of it in that type of way. The, the signature behind the color green, what it's carrying, so growth, structure, practicality, um, not nature, but nurturing. Um, and then just multiple, like there's, there's so many different types of green. I think this is the, the largest list of pigments that you mentioned. So like mul- just the multiplying of green and all different shades and whatnot. <clears throat> so heavy growth, um, grass, trees. Since we see things through light spectrums, it's like the biggest light spectrum. And I would call a cycle a star. So it's like the, the biggest... It's like we ha- we live in a Earth star, so that's why I say Earth realm. So we live in a Earth practical environment. So you're gonna see more brown, more green, more blue. It being you needing it for growth, like money, uh, whatever you do, it seems like in our society you're gonna need money to money to grow whatever you're doing to back and support it. Uh, as mentioned, structure. So like a job, 
to again back in support. Um, it's practical, um, something that makes sense, like green makes sense. So I, I think that when you see the color green, that's why I think it it can it can, it may feel a little calming because it's like the most the most things you're associated like with here. I don't know. It's nourishing. Like it's something you do have to nourish. It's something that is nourishing. Um, you see it all in nature. I feel like it, it ties into the brown and the purple like a lot when we get there. But for now, yeah, uh, I don't see it as a positive. Again, I keep saying neutral because I think you can grow bad or you can grow good. So you got you got gross greens, you got nice <laughs> pleasant greens. So, <laughs> yeah. What you think? If our eye sees more green sitting as a shade, then as painters, we gotta be careful with green, right? And I think that's why there's such a big variety of green. It's when you mix a green, there's only so many greens you can achieve. I think once you begin expanding your palette from the basics, that's one thing I have a lot of is, is greens, right? Mm. Um, to get more specific, that's, that's one area that you can really do a lot with for the eye in, the, in terms of color, right? So that's really important to keep in mind is that, that the eye, that's its biggest range right there. It's the green family. Yeah, as far as, I mean, I'm, I'm really into plants. I think most mm -hmm. people who know me know that, that I like plants. I feel really good when I have, you know, a plant around, when I can see like a plant growing, like watching it through the day mm -hmm. grow. It's a lot like, a, like a, a crystal slowly forming. You just put this water, you know, when a, when a crystal is collecting minerals, it's just something about the shape of that molecule just makes it organize into the structure and it just grows, right? And you put a seed in the dirt and you put water on it and this, this crystal just starts growing out of the ground and all this complexity. It's really incredible to watch, but um, you know, you see plants bursting out of all kinds of situations. You know, I remember my dad used to always complain that how he couldn't get grass to grow in the yard, but it seemed to grow out of every single crack in the road and sidewalk, you know, and it it will find a way, right? Yeah. So for me, it's it's kind of like that will to live, the whole process from birth to death. When I when you there's specific greens when spring is happening when the new leaves are forming they're more towards the the, the yellow mm -hmm. right that's that new life towards the yellow more higher on the value scale towards the white and as they mature they pass through the the intense chromatic phase in later spring going towards summer and then towards the f close to the end of the summer they're a darker green Right, they're more towards the blue temperature. Mm -hmm. They're more towards the black in value. And so I think just watching that process over and over again, you create kind of associations with all these different shades of green. And at some of the polls I looked at, people did consider the warmer greens shifted towards the yellow to be more superficial, more youthful, cheaper. And that the, the, the green shifted towards the blue as more dependable, more mature. Like you'd want to brand your business that you wanted stable with a darker green. So that was, that was interesting. I think there's a direct associations, you know, that probably are even biological. It looks like that's, 
feels like you're just talking about colors of the season. Colors of the seasons, right? Yeah, and when the, the green leaves, when the chlorophyll's dying in the plant, those, those genes are becoming dormant, the chlorophyll's gone, and now we see the light that's usually absorbed. We see the red, we see the yellows, the oranges in the fall, and then they turn to brown, and then it's gone. Right, so I think it's tied into the life cycle, right? That's why, you know, for me, I claim that green is, is tied to the, the will to survive, the will to live, right? And I, I agree with you that can be good or bad, right? It can be a struggle. It can go in any direction, but it's, it's a will to live. I use green in probably all of my paintings. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, and as far as technical painting, um, I think blue does most of the work turning the form. You can use a green to turn form, just like a blue. But traditionally in the West, it's not like a huge tradition with it, you know, besides putting it underneath, you know, the figure, like I talked about in the early medieval and, and Renaissance. But I think blue kind of took its place over time uh, to do that function. But yeah, let's see. Let's see if we can take green somewhere new. I don't think you really can. Um, you, you can just look at green differently, I guess, but I'm not quite sure where you can take it new. As it to me, it's just a, well, a neutral. Maybe like an abstract exercise. Like you know, sometimes I imagine people glowing a certain color, and what would that mean, right? So if I see someone glowing green, like one I see, like I imagine hippies, uh, maybe that that type of height, that type, you know, peace and love people but i also see like a really ambitious businessman too why, why am ambitious businessman i don't know that's that's just what came to my mind i haven't <laughs> thought you. it out i'm just i'm trying to <laughs> yeah, you're just going i'm just, just looking going. at the associations yeah but it depends on that spectrum of green because there's so many greens right i see yeah. hippies would be like a green towards the yellow but a businessman would be a darker green if I see a high chroma green, like right in the mid-tone and balanced temperature-wise, I see like a nurse. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what any of that means logically, but that's what I get. I mean, I can agree somewhat. You just ran out of three words that I said earlier. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't really know how to push the green in that spectrum. I know how to push the spectrum of just what colors are. Okay. So... So, so to a person that's quote unquote colorblind, or a person that has that quote unquote, you said their retinas are like mixed up or not quite the norm. Mm -hmm. They still see the same energy signature. It's just not green. So to look at it in that aspect, I think that's where my mind kind of like explores and dwells when we talk about the green color. Not actually the color. I mean. I can see it as blue for all I care. It's just where do I see the green at? Well, if someone, say for instance, doesn't have green cones in the retina, yeah, they would still perceive the value, the presence Correct. of light, but they would not be able to distinguish green as like a flavor of vision, right? Yeah, but they would still see that thing in all those spaces. Yeah, and there's also like... You can see the colors, but you can't really distinguish Correct. temperature. 
changes between colors, like different shades of reds or greens or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what do you mean specifically? So, I, if, okay, when you ask to go far out, I just go to the same place. We usually start our colors from outside in. Mm-hmm. I usually start my colors from inside out. Okay. So, form uh, space isolation, go into that space of isolation, and then blossom out like a seed. Okay. To now reach a spectrum of color. Okay, that sounds cool. So what? So what's green inside out? It's not green inside. It's only green when it comes out, because inside is too busy being probably brown, reds, blues, darks, just purples and stuff like that. So a green comes out in a middle spectrum, and then from that green, it'll sit in between, and then after that green, you'll see your blues and purples and stuff, like which come after the green plant. Okay, so do you mean like green is the moment when you bring something that's inside out, you bring it out to the world? Green is the action of being brought inside out. So like you called it a wheel. If wheel was the actual action, if, if wheel was spinning, not the determination, not, not, the, not the determination to grow or not the determination to reach a spot. It's the, it's what the, it's what the determination looked like as it was reaching the next spot. That's what would be the spectrum of green. So the, the spectrum of blue would be the, the connection. The spectrum mm-hmm. of green would be the travel of that connection. The spectrum of red would be the desire to go to the next section. And then the spectrum of yellow would be at the height. So like reaching up, you said a spring green. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a high reaching exaltation of a green. And you got your low greens. So and then you got the transforming from going into the inside out. So you starting to get you starting to see your browns and your reds changing from the greens. So these colors are all in one. And I hope we jump on brown next because these we got colors purple are, next. That's cool. We Pur- gotta finish yeah, all the colors and then we'll do the big temperature yeah. families. Um, so that's cool. So even just with your purples, it's just there's no such thing as like a you, you don't really see like a, a super dark blue. Okay, like, but I'm trying to understand. So would you say green is like a desire or a lack that no. drives the will? No, green is like if you can if you can make an action a human. Mm-hmm. You, you're we now just we how about this? I'm I'm anthropomorphizing I'm anthropomorphizing color. Uh huh. So now you can use it color, and now from that use of color, now you can talk about all its relations in a more relatable way. All right. So there's an internal will, and then the initial action is what you would call green. The acting on that will. No, the action. The action. Like, like it's like, oh, how'd you get from there? You don't know. There's no green. Oh, I saw your travel from here to there. Oh, That's okay. Great. So it's the procedure. There you go. Okay. So. So then it, with everything that you talk about green, it contains all those procedures. Okay. So that that goes with my life cycle, kind of. Yeah, thing. yeah. Okay. So that's what I was. That's okay. what I was like. If you do life cycle first, mm-hmm. and if life cycle had a color, it would be green not green be life cycle mm. you get it so therefore you can literally 
see everything in your mind, see all the colors inside, and then now go outside and then know, oh, why that green is important. We don't touch that green because that's closer to the nature of when this action does this and you know how to pick out points of time. Mm-hmm. You now can use time and, and points at different interactions and now associate different points and times with color and then now use those colors to be signifiers of other different things. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, I think that's it for me. <laughs> but uh, I want to tell a fun story now that we got the serious stuff out of the way. It's not, it's funny now, but I almost poisoned myself. <laughs> but that's a, that's a common thing for you. That's, that is. Okay, so I was, you remember in university when we were together, I was very into pigments and getting yes. pigments from nature or making them. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, when I saw I was getting into metal pigments, you know, verdigris, there's a, there's a green and a blue that you can make from copper. One is a slow crystallization where you leave it in a jar with vinegar, you get a nice blue. Or there's one, an active one, where you can use electricity and like speed it up. That's um, the one where you pee on it. That's, that would be the acid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Greg's, <laughs> that's Greg's way. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I built this, this tub called an electrolysis cup, mm-hmm. tub. So it's just a plastic tub, and you stick a positive wire in it and a negative wire, and a current runs through the water in the tub, okay? I remember this. You remember this? Yeah, So you can add salt to increase the conductivity, but also you can add lye, which will increase it a lot. So I did not know the chemical name for lye. So when I was recently researching, this was very scientific. I was looking at the chemical names that went found a drain cleaner that had that chemical. I put that in the water, did not realize it was lye, which releases poisonous gases when you mix it with water. And I was making this in, an, in a closed garage. So I got my copper that I got from random stuff around. I threw it in the tub. I uh, hooked up the wires to it, dumped a bunch of uh, lye in there, and I I just sat there in a, in a chair watching it, just gassing myself. And then suddenly, it was so long ago, I think I got a headache. I think I started coughing. I don't remember what all the reactions, but it was like, it was noticeable. I was like, wow, I'm something's very bad. And then later I, I went and I researched what had happened. You know, I'd heard about that with soap makers, <laughs> but I didn't connect the two. Fuck, Josh. Yeah, another... Another time I, I avoided harm and death. I'm a lucky guy, that is for sure. <laughs> there you are. Uh, but, um, and now with the she legs green, I might have almost poisoned myself again. I better wear gloves with that. I did not know that, that well, was It's not so... like you like did it for a long, extensive period of time. I've been using that one for about two years. Yeah, yeah, I I do occasionally get blood tests for certain metals. That's good. Yeah, lead is one. The The annoying thing is they don't have, like, a group. They need to make a group blood test for painters for all the metals. Like, if I could Smart. get my cobalt, cadmium, lead in one spot, you know, that'd be great. 
might need to come up with that. You have to special order them if you want to see if you're getting cadmium poisoning or cobalt poisoning or whatever. But anyways, that's Painters painting. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty doesn't have those problems. He works his crayon. Nah, I don't. I guess another little personal thing before we go is um, I've in my recent paintings, I've been putting all these green dots, mm-hmm. which represent the, it's called the eigengrau background of the mind. So your visual mind has this static. Also another term for that is phosphenes, or the bigger shapes. But when you close your eyes in a dark room, uh, you'll get this static. And also if you touch your eye, you'll see you get these, these discs. I decided mine look a little green, but the eigengrau is supposed to be gray. Uh, but I made mine green. Artistic uh-huh. decision. <laughs> but that's what that is. If you're wondering what all the green dots are in my painting, that's it. Uh, I love that series, man. Thanks. And with that, I think we'll end it. Thank you for everyone who's listening to the podcast. Be sure to like and share and subscribe and all that other stuff everyone's telling you to do all the time. <laughs> If you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to our Patreon page and subscribe. If you'd like to study with me and Kenny, you can go to the Green Atelier nice. and sign up for lessons. And remember to be critically creative. <laughs>